This week on Inside Motorsport, we start a two-part series with Andy McElray from New Zealand to Australia. I hope you'll enjoy it. Welcome to Inside Motorsport. We're here on this week talking with Andy McElray, a New Zealander by birth, but very much Australian for the last 20-odd years of his life. Andy's got a long and deep history, and we're very glad to learn something about your history, uh, Andy. If we could sort of start with your early days in motorsport, where, when, and where, and who, and how you got started, who gave you the taste of this uh, this luscious uh, business that we're in? <laughs> yeah, well, Welcome, okay. Andy. Good point. Thanks for having me on the show. To, to answer the question, the I'm I'm a third generation racer. My grandmother was one of the founding members of the Ashburton Car Club, um, which is a little country town where we grew up in the South Island. And most of my childhood was spent in the workshop behind my dad's car yard, helping him on his Mazda rally cars or his uh, Mustang uh, Trans Am or Oscar cars, they're called in the South Island, and then later on his his um, a Chevy 350 um, Mark or Cortina. So I spent most weekends either in the workshop helping Dad or at the racetrack um, riding my bike around in the dirt or, or um, collecting bottles and catching them in for, for lollies and stuff like that. So I'm the classic uh, kid who grew up at a racetrack. That's that's where it started and um, I never, never wanted to be anything else uh, growing up. I wanted to be a a race driver, and one of the things that kind of drove me, I guess, to be try and be a little bit successful was my dad loves the sport and the people in the sport so much that he was happy just to race and be um, you know, amongst his mates and get out of the car and then stand around their their cars till till well after sunset, drinking beer and and yarning about the day's racing. So it always bugged me that he was he loved the sport so much he preferred that over beating his mates so when I finally got old enough to, to compete myself I had a little, little bit more of a um I won't say a winning streak but a bit more hunger in me for success so that's um success you did have um we should just point out that the Oscar is spelt O-S-C-A is that correct that's right Open Saloon Car Association yeah sort of yeah and it's still going strong now yeah. Your early days, I know of um, uh, Formula Ford, and you're involved in sort of uh, what came to Australia as sort of a, a New Zealand motorsport mafia. I mean, should you mention those guys by name because some of them are still here and still guilty of many things, and that's Tim Miles. Um, yeah. And Greg Murphy's gone back, of course. Shane Drake, of course, is, uh, is well and truly over there. Um, yes. But some of the others, tell us about who was involved in the in motorsport when you were racing there in Formula Ford and things. Okay, that's cool. Good question. Um, so, in Ashburton, our little little hometown, um, we we certainly had our own local mafia, um, and and we've and that consisted of myself, um, uh, Tim Miles, who most know as um, either co-owner of Triple Eight until very recently, or um, uh, Carrera Cup driver or exceptionally successful businessman in Sydney, uh, Paul Crookshank, who many of your listeners will know from um, having his own uh, supercar team here on the Gold Coast for a number of years, and John Evans, who whose son is young Jackson, who drove for us, won the Career Cup Championship with us, and is 
was actually second at um, at Monaco in the weekend in Super Cup. So the four of us kicked around from the time we were at high school through to the time we all sort of headed overseas, most of us to the UK back in those days. So that was the, the local mafia. Then the extended mafia were um, when we went to the North Island racing and it, we initially became good mates with Beardo, who was, believe it or not, a relatively innocent young bloke at that time. We'd already <laughs> learnt, learnt the art of drinking beer, so... We introduced him to that world, and um, obviously we've got a lot to answer to now. We had a lot of good times with Beardo racing against him, and then his career flourished quite quickly for lots of obvious reasons and um, left the rest of us behind. But we have stayed very good mates the whole way through the journey. And then um, Murph didn't come along until the end of my Formula Ford career which kind of started in 86 stopped and started a few times and then in 91 when I got to win the championship that was Murph's first year in uh in Formula Ford having won that shell scholarship so we we met up with Murph who's a very ambitious young bloke at the time um that hasn't changed and um again been been lifelong mates all our wives are friends and what's super cool is all our kids are, are very good mates uh, with one another and my son Hunter even coached uh, Roan and Greg's son in America for a few races last year and things. So, so that's you know there's 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 many others, but that's sort of the core of that of that group of Larrikins who are we're you know proudly all still very good mates today. And let me say at this stage, I mean I'm proud to my father's in New Zealand. He still is in New Zealand. He died some years ago, but and I'm still very proud to have New Zealand blood. And certainly for twenty odd years, was uh, happy to go back every year once or twice. But one of the things we should just make mention of is Beardo, because he's somebody that he almost had too much success too early. Like his debut meeting at Stone Brothers at Phillip Island, and he won a race. Oh my gosh, you know, but this is this is so easy. Thing. But one of the things I love about Beardo is that he he talked to me one day about how his his life was doomed because he had as a teammate. First of all, um, Nigel Mansell when he was driving for the Ford factory team in England yeah. and Mondeo, two litre. And then later on, he was teammates with Peter Brock. And he said, what hope have I got in life? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it must be noted that he was, he was quicker than both of those guys when he was in the same equipment. So I've got no doubt whatsoever that had um, Beardo got um, better a better chance, had a bit more funding put behind him back when he needed it, perhaps like what young Lawson and yeah. Co have got nowadays, he, he would have got to Formula One, and when he did, he would have been the uh, the 90s version of James Hunt, no doubt about that. Indeed, indeed. Just uh, briefly, so I know you raced Trans Am in New Zealand, and that was a very big class over there back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. You also raced in Atlantic when that became the uh, category after 5,000. So you would never race the 5,000. You would never have driven one even, would you? No, never sat in the 5,000 car, but certainly wasn't a great admirer of those cars when I was a kid. And then yep. with my my career, I actually, my, my one season I did a Formula Atlantic was in a very, very underfunded campaign driving for, driving for Graham Lawrence. And that was actually in 1988. So I got to race against some you know some some big names obviously Kenny and was was the, the big one in New Zealand at the time Beardo and Radisich was still still running and then my teammate who had three teammates Dean Hall who went on to IndyCars Paul Tracy who everyone knows of and another guy called Dan Prappas so quite disastrous season I think the thing only finished one or two races but that was actually in fact before I got my second chance at Formula Ford so I did Atlantic in 1988 and then um 
my Formula Ford year was 1991. So I kind of went, had to take two steps back to take one forward there. You hold a, a very uh, prestigious honour in that you're a two-time winner of the New Zealand Jim Clark Trophy. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, Tell that's us about that particular award. Okay, well, that's even now... Um, seeing my name on that trophy seems ridiculous. The trophy like that reserved for the, the Beards, the Radisiches, the Murphys, the Dixons, the, the Lawsons of the world. So when I won it in my Formula Ford year, it was, it was unbelievable to, to be thought of by your peers and, and the motorsport New Zealand people. So, yeah, that was that was my life's ambition to that point was to win the Formula Ford Championship and, and didn't even give, even though I knew how many amazing drivers had won the Jim Clark Trophy before me, um, I never, ever considered that I would be close to being, um, you know, uh, perhaps chosen as a, a um, nominee. So, yeah, that was pretty amazing. And then, and then to win it again, I guess I was lucky you know, in the in the Trans Am year in '96, I had four years off again from a, a lack of funding, which happens to a lot of us. But yeah, got the chance to drive for Mark Patch in '95 and got second to Kane Scott, and then got to do the '96 championship. Like you mentioned before, it was a very very stacked field. But I guess getting to win that championship was enough to let the powers that be decide that I deserved it again. So yeah, that's a that's still still doesn't really sink in having won that that, that award because that's and any any Kiwi growing up looks at that prize that's the that's the the Brownlow so yeah that's a that was a very cool thing and something I'm still very proud of we'll be back to continue talking with Andy McElroy on Inside Motorsport Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network